bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. My message this morning is titled, Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. This is part one, Christ in You, the Hope of Glory. We're going to go to the text that I, my last but one text last week, uh, which is Colossians chapter 1. Verse 24 to 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 27. And it reads, And I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh that which is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. For the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of the Lord. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of of glory. Let's say that together. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And personalize it to yourself and say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Apostle Paul, by the help of the Holy Spirit, says this is the mystery which for ages and generations have been hidden and is now made manifest. Christ in you, the hope of of glory. It is a phrase that sounds simple but is very heavily loaded. And uh, to fully understand the magnitude of the phrase Christ in you the hope of glory, there are three important questions we must answer. The first question we must answer is what does Christ have in him? What does Christ have in him. It's important to find the answer to this question because it tells us then what we have in us. Um, th- there are different things that people carry. When you receive visitors, you treat them differently. Why? Because they represent different things. If they're local tailor or vulcanizer or, or taxi driver visits your home, you are happy that he has come. You chat with him, give him water, and, and go through the protocol and, and, and nicely smile. But if you also have um, a very significant person, let's say the richest man in your neighborhood or a chief or your parliamentarian, hopefully, uh, come to your home, uh, you, you treat them a little bit differently from the way you would treat uh, the, 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 the vulcanizer. It's not because they are different human beings. It's simply because they carry different things. They come to your home with different things. 
Uh, some come to your home and you are excited because you believe that you can receive something better from them. So if Christ has come into us, what did he bring? That's the first question we will try to answer. Second question we will answer is, if Christ in us is the hope of glory, what is the glory? What is the glory? What is that glory? And the third question we will answer is, if he is the hope of glory, how do we access that glory? How do we take that glory? How do we enter into that glory? How can a child of God ever hope to experience the glory? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So these are the three important questions that we, we have to consider and answer. Now, this week, I will not answer all three. This week, I'm going to answer only the first question. What Christ has in him? And next week, I'm going to answer the question, what is the glory that we have to hope for or the, his, his presence in us gives us access to and how do we have access to that glory? That will be for next week. So today, my message is to just look at what is in Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what is in him that makes it so important that when he is in us, something great would have happened to us. Now to answer that question, we're going to look at various scriptures. But we will stay in the book of Colossians and go to Colossians chapter 2. Verse 8 to 10. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Now, just to give you a little background, uh, Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, uh, and, and the later became the, the book of Colossians, because the Colossian Christians, although they were Christians, felt that Christ was not enough. And so they had to add other things to Christ. And, and, and make their faith stronger. Uh, and, 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 and so they, they were adding all kinds of things, their culture, their traditions, and all kinds of things to Christ because they felt he was not enough. And I think um, I have a feeling that that letter is for us too. Because many Christians feel Christ is not enough. And so the book of Colossians uh, Paul is telling them that Christ is enough. He's all that is needed. So, and in teaching them about that, he tells us why he believes Christ is all that we need. And so Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, he says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, not a, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So he's warning them. Verse 9. For in him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Did you get that? Now, let's read the verse 9 together. I want everybody to read it from, from whatever version you have. We'll read verse 9 and 10 
Ready, go. For in him, who is him? Christ dwells all the fullness. Now, you know, when you read the Bible, you have to be very particular about how words are used. It didn't say in him dwells the fullness, which would be good enough, but he says all the fullness. When the Bible uses such words, it means that God wants you to know without any shadow of doubt something he's saying. For in him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And not only that, and you, Colossian Christians, Akra Christians, you are complete in him. Who is he? He is the head of all principality and power. You are complete. In him. That's why we make that confession and declaration uh, every Sunday that we are complete in Christ. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The fullness of the Godhead. The fullness. That phrase is a very important phrase. The fullness of the Godhead. This refers to God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Although Jesus is called the Son of God, He didn't only come as the son of God because in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. In him, one man carried in him the fullness of the Godhead in his body. When he lived here on earth, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him. He did not just carry a part of God He carried all of God. All of God was in him. And so when Jesus came into the world, he came loaded. He came carrying something. What was he carrying? The fullness of the Godhead. He was carrying that. He had that in him. So what is the fullness of the Godhead? The fullness of God, of the Godhead, is several things. Number one, it is God's being and nature God's being and nature that simply means who God is his being and nature is his essence it's what makes him God my being and nature is human your being and nature is human God's being and nature is God it's at a totally different level he is not a man So the Godhead refers to God's being and nature, who he is in essence. Secondly, it means God's glory and power. God's glory and power is how he is seen. His being and nature is who he is. His power and glory, how we see him. Moses prayed and said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. The glory of God is what we see about God. But his being and nature is what he is or who he is. And thirdly, the Godhead represents God's ways and acts. How he works. He's perfect in all his ways and works. He's faithful. He's full of compassion. 
In the Old Testament, the idea of seeing God was taboo. When even people saw the angel of the Lord, they were afraid that they would die. God himself said to Moses, no one shall see my face and live. So Moses, he says to Moses, I will just show you my backside. You can't see my face. You can't see all of my glory. And Moses saw just the remnants of the glory of God. The remnants. It's almost like uh, somebody is shining a bright light in a place. But the light is so bright you can't see it. So he shades it. But on the sides you see rays of that light. And that's what Moses saw. He couldn't see the fullness of the glory because the Bible says if you see that, you die. So throughout the Old Testament days, although the people worshipped God, they were afraid to see him. And that's quite a difficult situation to be in, to love somebody but be afraid to see him. It's like a, a man saying, I love that lady. I really want to marry her. I want to propose to her. I love her. But when I see her, then my heart is going, boom, 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 boom. I'm afraid my words are mixed up and, and my knees are buckling. And, and when I see her, I don't even know what to say. So he loves her, but he's afraid of her presence. Now that's, not, that's not good for a good relationship. So in the Old Testament, people love God. But they were afraid to see him. They were afraid to see him because if they saw him, they would die. So they worshiped God from afar, from a distance. They could see his power, they could see his glory, but they couldn't get close to him. But in Christ Jesus, the fullness of the Godhead was seen. And people didn't die. Because the fullness of the Godhead was clothed in human flesh. And so when he walked amongst them, they were seeing the fullness of God. But were not afraid to see it because the fullness of God came to them like a man. Jesus, the fullness of God's glory, God's ways, God's power, God's being, God's nature. And the Bible says that this Jesus who carried God, the Godhead, we are complete in him. That simply means that our completeness in life is based on the presence of Christ in us. When he comes into you, you are complete nothing missing nothing broken in him we lack nothing David anticipated this in the 23rd Psalm when he boldly announced the Lord is my shepherd I am complete I shall not want when you have Christ in you there is nothing you don't have Because he is all things. If you have all things in you, then there is nothing you don't have. We are complete 
in him. Christ in you. The hope of the glory. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in the Lord and we are complete in him. We are complete in him. What completes the Christian is in Christ. What, what completes us, what makes us perfect, what, what makes everything work right in our lives is in Christ. Colossians chapter 1. So we know that he carried the fullness of the Godhead. But let's look at a, lift, a few more things that the Bible talks about Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20. And Colossians 1, 15 to 20 says, He is, he there is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. That means whether in the natural world or in the spiritual world, by him, all those things were created. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. All things were created through him and for him. <laughs> all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether on earth or things in heaven, having made peace. Through the blood of his cross. Oh God. Note the verse 7, 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. It was God's joy to make sure that when Christ came, he didn't come empty. He came with all fullness. It's very important. If somebody comes to your house empty-handed, you will receive him and love him. But when somebody also comes to your house fully loaded, you will receive him and smile. Has, has somebody come to your house fully loaded? The person comes to your house and he says, Oh, 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 uh, can, can you have some people go to the, uh, my car outside because I have some things for you. And, and, and you go out there and, and, and there is yams and there is cassava and there is chicken and there is uh, uh, some meat and uh, there is cooking oil and there is some nice biscuits and some chocolate and all of that. And on top of that, he adds money. So, so he comes, he is fully loaded. He's a human being. He's coming to you fully for it has pleased him that he should come to your house full. Now, another person comes to your house and he came. <laughs> but you just see that he has just come. 
And, and those are the kind of people, you welcome them to your house, you chat with them, and you are saying, asking, when is he going? When is he going? But those who come fully loaded, you want them to stay because you know, maybe they even have more to unload. So you want to prolong the conversation because he's fully loaded. Everybody say he's fully loaded. That is how Jesus came. The Bible says, for it pleased the father that all fullness should dwell in him. Jesus came fully loaded. He didn't just come in the flesh as a weak person. He came fully loaded with the Godhead and all fullness in him. So let's, let's break that down, what we just read in Colossians. Let's look at the four things, or let me draw attention to four attributes of Christ's fullness. The first thing that uh, the Bible talks about his fullness is his person. His person. The Bible says he's the image of the invisible God. When you see him, you have seen the unseen. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that he's the express image of God's person. The exact image of God's person. He carried the image of the invisible God. He carried God's love, God's compassion, God's power. Everything carried in his person. He's the image of the invisible God. Secondly, he carried the power of God. Not just the person, but the power, his power. The Bible says, by him all things were created. The created order is his handiwork. All things were made through him. Through him the universe came into existence. Through him the laws of the universe were established. The laws of nature were established. Through him the elements took shape and manifested in the constellations. Through him mankind became self-conscious beings. All things were created, including the devil. The devil didn't create himself. He was a created being who rebelled, but he has an owner. He has an owner. And the Bible says one day the owner will grab him, bind him, and put him in a bottomless plate. And he can't free himself because he has an owner. He is a rebellious child, but... His owner still has power. And the owner is going to get him. I said the owner is going to get him. The Bible says all things were created by him, visible and invisible. Demons were rebellious angels who rebelled with Satan from heaven, but they were created. They were created by him and for him. He uses them to display his glory. He uses them to show his power. All things were created by him and for his purpose. So although they have rebelled against him and fight his purposes, it doesn't change the fact that all things were made by him and for him. That's very important. His power. And not only his power, his position. He came in his person, his power, his position. The Bible says he is before all things. He's above all things. Nothing comes ahead of him. He's above all principality and power. 
that in all things he may have the preeminence. His name is above every name. He is number one. And everyone, everyone will appear before him in judgment. Kings, princes, past, present, future. The devil himself will appear before him because he is the number one. In all things, he is number one. He's first. He has the preeminence. He's above all things, before all things. There's nothing ahead of him. So when he's in you, you have to figure out what is in you. And the fourth thing I want to draw your attention to is his promise. His person, his power, his position, his promise. The Bible says, in him all things consist. Not only did he create all things, but he says in him, he promises to hold everything together. All things consist. All things are held together by him. Even when we feel that everything is getting out of hand, he wants us to know that in him all things consist. When you feel like your life is going into being blown into pieces and, and nothing is working and everything is confused in your life, remember in him all things consist. That's why when, when he was in the boat and the disciples were worried about the storm, he was asleep. Because in him all things consist. The storm cannot get out of way. In him all things consist. In him all things consist. In him all things, your problems, your, your, your confusion, your disturbance. In him all things consist. He holds it together. Your life is not going out of control. Your situation is not getting out of control. It may appear so, but in Christ, all things consist. You may feel like you are spinning in a washing machine. And nothing is working. But in him, all things consist. In him, all things consist. That's why we can boldly say, all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Because in him, nothing is missing, nothing is broken. Even when the enemy attacks you, he's going to hold it together. Even when you, you are thrown out, he will hold it together. He will hold it together. You have to know that Jesus Christ is not shocked. He is not surprised. He is not overtaken by any event in your life. And he's not overtaken by what is happening in Ghana. But in him, all things consist. The problem is, instead of looking to him, in him all things consist, we look at the problems and we forget that inside us is living the one who holds everything together. He holds everything together. He holds everything together. He holds everything together. Somebody say, he holds everything together. Say it one more time. Say, he holds everything together.
Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebile, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebile. Email otebile at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.